Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans, presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the Burgundy and Blue, Mike Evans. Hey everybody, welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast, where we've got some uh, actually great breaking news. Uh, just as we were getting ready to record this podcast, got word that Val Nachuskin has been cleared by the NHL and NHL Player Association uh both bodies to be able to be released from the NHL players assistance program and resume practicing massive development for the avalanche massive development to have Val Nachuskin back practicing getting ramped up with still plenty of time left in the regular season to get back to the performance get back to the performance level he was at uh, before he left and when he left he had played in 40 games and was on a point per game pace at 42 points. He had 42 points in 40 games before he left. That is uh, a tremendous pace, and it just goes to show how high a level he was playing at and what a huge void it has created while he's been away. The beauty of this is that he gets to come back, and and we'll see. I I have no idea what he's been doing while he's been in this uh, program. Don't know how much he's had a chance to work out, skate, lift, all that kind of stuff. Have no idea what kind of shape he's in. But if you look at the Avs situation right now, and they have, what, about 23 games left in the season, this will be an opportunity if you figure if he can get back to the point where he's playing in, oh, somewhere between 15 and 17 games, let's say, uh, close to 20 games uh, before the playoffs were to start, this is a great opportunity for him to get back into shape, get back to playing, hopefully at the level he was prior to going into the program, and then you get the full benefits of Val for the postseason. But there's still a lot of questions to be to answered in all this. What kind of shape is he in? How long is it going to take? And also, are you able, if you're the Avalanche, are you able to welcome Val back with some sense of assurance that he's back and that whatever issues, whatever battles, whatever demons he's dealing with, is he going to be reliable enough for you once the playoffs start? Um, Are you going to be constantly worried or on guard for him taking off and having a repeat of what happened last year in Seattle? So there's still some issues to, to figure out. And honestly, maybe the Avs won't won't truly know. Uh, it is important because what do you do as you go to the trade deadline? Do you make moves with the idea of, hey, we got Val back, good, we're we're, we're awesome in that area. Scratch one thing less off the to do list when it comes to maybe potential moves at the trade deadline, or do you look at it and say? hey, yeah, we got Val back, that's great, but we can't count on him to be reliable in the playoffs, so we still need to go out and make additional moves on top of that. Uh, I I would say that what you're getting in in the return of Val, you're getting a dominant winger, you're getting one of the the best all-around players uh, in the game who can impact the game in so many ways. If you look still at what the Avalanche need, uh, a a dominant presence or a, a real impact winger, isn't what I think we all would agree the Avs need. So the the return of Val, maybe even the possible return of Gabe Landeskog, while awesome to think about, maybe unlikely in, in practice, 
but we're, you're still talking about wingers. And so when you talk about what the Avalanche need here as we look ahead to the trade deadline, I still think it comes down to, to two big things. One is uh, a second-line center. That's something we've been talking about forever on this this podcast. The other would be the, the idea of goaltending. Do they need an upgrade in goaltending? And we continue to hear from Jared Bednar after games, after losses, some really not so thinly veiled shots at Alexander Georgiev. Just a, a plenty of postgame uh, commentary from Jared Bednar where he's like, our goalie needs to be better. Our goalie needs to make that save. He said that again after the Toronto loss the other night. So it's uh, it, it's certainly something that the Avalanche, they are sending us the message that they feel they need an upgraded goaltender. And remember, you know, for and I don't want to, you know, bag on Georgiev too much because remember the Avalanche won a Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francouz. Uh, they won a Stanley Cup when they were getting statistically uh, horrible goaltending, really subpar goaltending. Uh, they were doing things winning a Stanley Cup with the kind of goaltending performance that just doesn't happen traditionally when it comes to Stanley Cup champions. They were able to overcome that and win a Stanley Cup. I think the feeling this time with this team is the goaltending needs to be better because they don't have that kind of team that can go out and make up for or erase shoddy goaltending. So that's the difference between this year's goaltending situation and not feeling as confident that you can rise above win despite the goaltending. You're going to have to be better at that goaltending position because the team's just not as good as they were a couple of years ago. It is a uh, it's good news about getting Val back. There's there's uh, no doubt about that. I was looking at this stat. It was passed along to me, and and this is remarkable. Let me read from it just uh, really quickly. Going back to the 2021-2022 season, the Avalanche playing without Nathan McKinnon, a 19-6-3 record. 19-6-3. Playing without Kale McCarr since the 2022-2023 season, 19-6-2. Identical records. No McCarr, no McKinnon. Check this number out. Going back to the start of the 2022-2023 this season, without Val Nachuskin, the Avalanche 21-24 and three, so well above 500 without uh, without Kale and without McKinnon, below 500 without Val. So getting Val Nachuskin back is a um, massive, massive benefit. Uh, and I, 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 I know me personally. I don't know about you, but I know personally. I was always assuming Val would be back. I, I just, I just did. I did not feel like this was going to be something that was going to last all season into the postseason. I always assumed Val would be back. The question always for me was, when would he come back? How much ramp-up time would he have? So this is good. This is a good return. This is good timing. And secondly, how does this change, if at all, how you go about trying to get stuff done during the, the trade deadline? Uh, the the loss to Toronto, that's the most recent game for us to talk about right here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast. It is a, to me, it's almost kind of a perfect microcosm of what the Avalanche are right now. Because Jared Bednar, after the game, was saying, man, we we played a good a good game. We played a good hockey game. But the mistake by Miko Rantanen, the uh, delay a game, throwing the puck into the crowd, led to the minor, led to the power play goal, led to the eventual game winner for Toronto. And as Bednar said, it's too bad because a really good game was, was unfortunately spoiled by that mistake. And I, I choose to look at that kind of two ways. You could, you could say, ah, geez, you know, if only we don't make that mistake, you know, maybe we have a chance to win that hockey game. I guess I choose to look at it like the Avalanche right now, their margin for error is so thin 
that they they cannot afford to make those kind of mistakes and still come away with a win. Meaning if this team was better, you're creating a little bit more of a cushion so that you can make that mistake, but it doesn't end up being as fatal, right? So that that to me is the issue with this team is they're just not good enough to go out and beat teams more convincingly or build up more convincing leads, comfortable leads, so that you can withstand a mistake like that. You go back to the Detroit game a couple of, of days ago. You're sitting there with that one nothing lead for a while, and, and I'm watching that game feeling, just get another one. Get it 2 nothing, and now you really open up some breathing room. But they couldn't do that, and they're playing with that thin margin of error, and then, boom, you give up a power play goal to Dylan Larkin. Game's tied. You end up losing the game in overtime. Same thing here with this Toronto game. You played well. You played hard, but... Because you're not as as deep and as impactful a hockey team as as you were a couple of years ago, you're not putting teams away, and you're leaving them in a position to hang around. Then you make a mistake, puck goes into the crowd, two minute minor, puck ends up in your net, you end up losing a game four to three. So it's it's one thing to play hard, but you still with this half team, you're looking at a team that just to be better. And I, I don't question their ability to play hard, but I do think uh, when you look at their talent level, it's just not where it needs to be if you're talking about a team to feel confident about their chances of going deep um, in, in the playoffs. So, and by the way, the Miko stuff, we talked about this. Matt Smith was uh, with me on the podcast on Friday. I don't know where this has come from, but heard it again over the weekend, especially after Miko, who had a good game on Saturday, but made that mistake. It was like, once again, it was fodder uh, for for Miko critics to get on Miko ranted in. What is your beef, Miko critics? I I don't get it. Do you realize he just did something that's never been done in the history of the Avalanche since they moved here from Quebec? Miko is the first Avalanche player to score thirty or more goals in four straight seasons. Now McKinnon has and and will probably join him uh, later on this season before we get done, um, but it's never been done before. Not by Joe Sackick, not by Peter Forsberg, not by Milan Haydu, Chris Drury, uh, Adam Deadmarsh, Ryan O'Reilly, Matt Duchesne, Gabe Landeskog. It's never been done before. Four straight 30-goal seasons. Miko Rantanen, the first in Avalanche history to do it. Uh, be, be careful, Careful what you wish for. Uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, you know, is, is has been playing at a level that is exceptional. He's just a, a few points off the same pace that he had last year, where everybody agreed he was uh, among the the top players in hockey. He was a legitimate Hart Trophy uh, candidate. He had 55 goals and 50 assists last year, 105 points. He's on pace for over 100, like 102 this year. Uh, so has he been? At times, has he uh, been inconsistent? Have there have there been times where you wish he was doing a little bit more? Okay, fine. But how you think removing Miko Rantanen from the equation, I, I, I don't know for a team that already has some holes to fill, how is it that taking Miko Rantanen out of the mix is going to somehow bring back enough to fill up the hole that he's leaving Plus the other holes that you need to fill, I don't think that that trade is possible. So, uh, may, is it a case that 
Guys like Miko are, are easy to take for granted? Let me, let me tell you something. Guys like Miko ranting and don't grow on trees. Uh, you know, he is a legitimate superstar. He's a future Hall of Famer. Uh, this guy is one of the 20 best players in hockey, maybe one of the top 15 players in hockey, maybe even higher than that. So to 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 take all your frustration out on on Miko Rantanen, hey, whenever whenever I put together my my frustration list, or um, if this thing doesn't finish the way that we want it to with another Stanley Cup, who I'm going to blame for the Avalanche falling short? I promise you, Miko Rantanen will be far down that list. Um, if you're asking, if you're curious, well, who would be at the top of your list? If the Avalanche falls short, it's going to be on this front office. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. If the Avalanche falls short, this is on Chris McFarlane. Uh, don't know exactly what Joe Sackick's real role is anymore, so I'm going to assume Chris McFarlane is in charge. So if this thing falls short for a second straight year, it's all on Chris McFarlane because you didn't go out and, and take care of the – uh, uh, roster personnel needs that need to be made last year. And you would have gone through another year this year without making the, the proper moves as well. So that ultimately ends up in Chris McFarland's lap. Um, he'd be the, the number one reason. And then we could probably sift through the others, but that that's, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Let's stay upbeat. There's still a, about another 10 days to go until the trade deadline. Who knows what the avalanche have in store who knows what they'll look like once the trade deadline is done. It could look a lot different, and we could feel a lot different about this hockey team. All I can tell you is right now, while I feel better about the news that Val is coming back, that's a great start. Um, continue to hold out limited hope about Gabe Landeskog being able to return. I'm not as enthusiastic and as hopeful on, on that as some are, but... I will be prepared to be blown away and um, and impressed by Gabe's return. That'd be great as well. But uh, be interested to see if, if the Avalanche, again, a second-line center and improved goaltending, backup goaltender or a 1A to Georgiev's one goaltender might not be the worst thing. Those are the two biggest pressing needs. But getting Val back is a good start. I'm glad we were able to talk about it and react to it. We'll have a busy week of uh, Avs Hockey. We'll be back on Friday to uh, talk about it more here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.